Hey, Scott, uh, Scott, really quick, uh, congratulations to your son and his hockey team. Thanks. Yeah, yes. he, I was, that was like a huge, uh, just a huge surprise this year, but he's so proud. Thanks. It was, it was crazy. They were like totally last place last year and just bad news <laughs> bears. And they, they were the only team that practiced all summer, like twice a week, and then just nice. came back and the... Um, the MVP is the one girl on the team. She's great too. That's so it was, awesome. Yeah, it was just really cool. The whole thing was a great feeling. So and they won. The, uh, they won the championship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they did. So there were, I think there were eleven or twelve teams in their thing. So it was a big deal to them. They were excited. Yeah, we uh, we've got uh, a few local guys here. Uh, David Finch is from around here, so he's in the oh, shop nice. pretty regularly. Uh, same with uh, Jason Fabok. He's around here. Jeff oh, Lemire is cool. from the area too. So you know, whenever Jeff's in town he pops by the shop that's great man yeah i was just talking to jeff earlier tonight he's good he's funny he always <laughs> yeah. like he, he always cracks me up he sends me um like close-up photos of like the crease in his elbow so it looks like an ass or something. <laughs> like, he'll be like, he'll be like, <laughs> he's like just hanging out with the do or just hanging out with whatever and it's always like you know some crazy picture like that Bat Force Radio. Bat Force Radio is rated M for mature. Or should that be immature? Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Tom King. I write Batman Bitch. And this is Bat Force Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Bat Force Radio to wind down towards the end of the year. And we have a good mega episode tonight for you. Um, let me just get the crew out of the way. I got Robin Cross up in Canada. A boot. I got ba- uh, Bat Force Tom over in uh, sunny California. What's up, bro? I got Grandpa Batman <laughs> over in, in Texas. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Arkham Asylum LPC down in Dirty Jersey. Yo. I got Robo Rich from the Bonfires of Detroit. <laughs> Ice cream. And I got the trunk. Bonfires? What the fuck? <laughs> I, got the trunk- <laughs> I got the trunkler over in Chicago. Uh, how you guys doing, bloke? All right, everybody. You know tonight's guest very well. If you want to hear the long intro, uh, just go back and listen to the first time he was on and hear it there. Uh, lately, he's been rocking your socks every month with All-Star Batman, uh, along with John Romita Jr. and soon to be with Jock. And more recently, he's bending your mind with Jeff Lemire on AD After Death. He's the one and only Scott Snyder. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hey, hey guys, last last time we had Scott in the building, last time we had Scott in, I said, can we get a round of applause for the first issue of All-Star Batman? Now, can we get a round of applause for the first arc of All-Star Batman, My Own Worst Enemy? Like bringing- oh, yeah. Thank you. I really uh, appreciate it. It's great to be back on the show. I look forward to it, man. So thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. So many places to start, but uh, I guess uh, first to break it open, um, how does it feel wrapping up this first arc of this um, groundbreaking series with Batman? It feels great, man. You know, I mean, for the on the one hand, like I was so nervous going in just because, you know, I I was so used to just working with one person and Greg and I had such a rhythm going forever. And um, But the one thing I really wanted to do with this was, 
if I was going to stay on Batman, try something really different and, and challenge myself as a, as a writer, I guess, to, to, um, write in ways that I hadn't before with the character. And, um, it turned into the most fun I've ever had, you know, in comics, I mean, on a superhero book. And that doesn't mean I didn't have a blast with Greg in terms of our friendship. And I had, believe me, I had as much fun as possible with a partner with Greg, but the, the experience of Batman, the main book, um, was so much pressure, you know, a lot of the time. And, and so such a grind and I, I loved that grind and I would like, you know, wouldn't trade it for anything. And I, I loved being on that book, but this to me is just so freeing where I don't feel the same pressures of, um, sort of, you know, holding the line, holding the bat line up in the same way. And, and, um, I'm still in continuity, but I can kind of do my own thing. And also just getting to collaborate with so many different artists and just do different takes on the villains. It's been so freeing and this arc, really is one of those kind of magic things where the art team just happened to be just the right team, I think for this particular story. And we really hit it off and I loved it, man. And the next I'm finishing actually now I'm on the fourth issue of the next arc. So issue eight, um, I mean, issue 10 at nine, I'm just finishing now. Mm. So it's the, um, it's the, uh, Fool Richardson one. It's the cover is awesome. It's got Batman literally in the, the sink is sitting as the Lincoln Memorial, like giant Batman wow. in the chair. Yeah, it looks it looks really awesome. That's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like a political story. It just takes place in Washington D.C. So it, she she drew it up and it looks pretty awesome. So oh, so this arc is it? Um, Damn. is it the Ivy one? Is mm-hmm. that- yeah, well, it's four villains. It's sort of four villains. Okay. I wanted to I, the I think the kind of what I want to do with All Star I think kind of comes into sharper relief now in the second arc just because. The first arc is is so um, is sort of a you know uh, such a uh, a singular thing where it really is uh, a study about Two Face and it's it's um, you know a contained big bombastic story and then what I wanted to do with the second arc was do these small stories that actually are one big story so mm-hmm. the next four issues almost feel like one shots at least the first one does with Mister Freeze but what you realize in the second one is that the plan Mister Freeze had actually worked in a way that Batman didn't expect. And so it begins this, ah. this really cataclysmic thing that mm. carries through in the Ivy story. And then he goes to Ivy to get something to help him with it. Um, and then by issue three with Hatter, he's getting closer to sort of who's behind all of it in issue four, mm. he faces off with sort of the person behind everything. So it has, it has this kind of, um, really creepy apocalyptic feel the next arc. It's called ends of the earth. And it's really, um, it's it's a lot of fun, but it's it's almost like um, each issue is with a different artist and a different villain, and they kind of roll into each other in ways that I think will give the scope of All Star, where it's almost like this was one singular you know um, story with one art team and big cinematic stuff, and now it's almost like I want to pick the right artist for each character given that that artist really loves that character and wants to work with them and has the right feel for the story we're doing so you know jock with the freeze one he really wanted to do freeze because he wanted to do something that felt distant and creepy and epic and he you know these are the things that he gravitates towards that kind of not not necessarily the giant um over-the-top zany action but the really unsettling remote and distant scary stuff so 
with that, I mean, I tried with six to to actually write it like a story story where it has prose and it's got dialogue that's in quotes and not caps and not balloons and give it a feel that um, felt right for freeze and felt almost under ice and strangely kind of hollow and, and distant. And then with the Ivy story, I did the opposite where it's it's no caps, no anything. It's it's much more of a um, intense kind of emotional story that takes place in Death Valley and then you know so and in the hatter one the narration is all kind of crazy where it actually the narration actually like attacks batman at one point <laughs> he's like he's climbing around in it and stuff i think it's going to be pretty awesome Speck, looking back at the first arc then now that it wrapped up it de- I, de- there's definitely that feel of the shackles are off scott snyder like you're at your creative top shelf game and you're just Thanks. transcending things in terms of you know being i mean you we were talking about how you want you wanted to be on um vertigo or something didn't you you wanted to be a little mature and then uh they didn't want to let, let you do that but yeah certain yeah things i asked in this them about arc, reader label <laughs> certain things in this arc i could actually see you you push i was like whoa this is uh like you said this is mess <laughs> you know yeah that. yeah there was there was more in my head there was a little more violence a little more profanity and they were just like you can write and they were right they were just like you can rein it in and not lose anything and yeah. and avoid the mature label uh sticker <laughs> it still feels like a more mature kind of um story though because even though maybe they're not letting you go all out with like you know the graphic nature of it but you're still using things in silhouette there's still a t- dude this is such a bloody story that first arc yeah, and like right. they're getting their asses kicked nonstop. It's <laughs> yeah. oh, like feel pouring it. blood, like almost every issue. There's stuff sticking out of Batman. You know what I mean? So it's cool because yeah. I think you know we have the the current run that um, Tom's doing his thing, and you got other you know lines doing their thing. But it really does feel like yours is on kind of a different plane, where it, it almost like it almost feels like your juices are flowing freely you know you're artistic kind of um you're kind of allowed to kind of explore yourself a little bit and not have any kind of barriers you know because yeah it's that's, that's exactly how i feel yeah. you know yeah, think, a, this is mad max fury road baby this is like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> say the sean murphy one is this i've been waiting to do that one for years that one is like if you want to see mad max it's like <laughs> literally it, it's in continuity so something happened in the yeah. present that initiates it, but it takes place in a future where Batman is wandering around and he's got like this live Joker head in a jar chained to his waist and it like talks to him. (laughs) It's crazy. And he's driving like this humongous monster truck dune buggy through the sands. It's really, it's going to be so nuts. I'm really excited. It's like in uh, Sin City when the white has. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it's it's just out of, that one is going to be like out of control. I can't wait. Dude, his his art is so killer, dude. So that is probably super hugely anticipated coming up down the road yeah he's coming down here actually he's a big car buff and uh i found this um dealership that has these old classic cars for pretty cheap so he's gonna come down and we might might get one and like split it and that way we'll <laughs> we can like keep it down he can either like drive it on and off me or him <laughs> so he's, he's coming down like my my birthday is the second week in january and he's coming down the first week to go take a look at this thing with me that's awesome so, that's awesome dude yeah one one thing i liked about this arc is that we learned a little bit more and more about uh duke who's a mm-hmm. character that you created we learned that duke listens to metal that's yeah. pretty badass and i always <laughs> wondered 
what was the name of the band that he listens to? It, it was Batman's <laughs> blank blank. I know. I got that question more than anything. And <laughs> funny, I had like something in my head and then I'm like, well, what do you think it is? And everybody answered so many things. They're like, Batman's dick. Batman's <laughs> <Yes>. this. Like, <laughs> Batman's, you know, Batman's fists. Batman's, you know. Batman's I was like, you know, it, it's whatever you think is behind that wing ding is fine with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Keep yeah, you know, and the thing, it's fun because Duke, it's hard because you, you know, again, I think I said this to you last time, but it's such a shifting landscape all the time, you know, at DC where, in a good way, where, you know, you never know, is this a character they're going to want to make Robin or they're going to want to make Nightwing or they're going to want to, and I was pretty resistant to that as was, um, you know, most of the back group in terms of putting him in a costume that existed already and, so we've been really talking to Jeff Johns a lot about where, because he's got such a great eye for what's needed in the line and what what roles are not filled. And so we're really nearing in on it. You'll start to see, um, like, he's he's going to kind of get his name and get his mission by issue nine. Um, so after that, when we do the next arc that starts with 10, that's kind of tied into... It, it's probably going to tie a little bit into what I'm doing with Greg, the event that I'm doing with Greg um, in the summer. Uh you'll see him in this kind of role and his, his, um, with his name and his mission kind of set up. So it's the five issues that have kind of encapsulated the first arc, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The tone almost immediately that you mentioned before changes on the, uh, the one shots. Yeah. Um, what was your kind of intention of like, what kind of tone did you want to fit for the first arc? Cause you know, it's got a definite flavor to it that you can kind of feel. What did you, what did you kind of ex uh, you know, what did you have in mind versus what you see kind of out now that's on print? You think it's what you wanted to go for? Yeah, no, I'm really happy with how it came out. It's a good question. I mean, I think for me, what it really was, was I wanted the first start to say, this is not what I did with Greg. This is something brand new. And it um, it's fun, you know, on the surface, I think it, re it has a lot of levity and humor and irreverence. And it's kind of um, has more of a kind of with Greg, I mean, we we did that too. But here, I just feel like, given what's out with Batman now, Tom's doing a great job with the kind of classic Gotham Batman and, um, you know, sort of driving right up the street in the Batmobile. And James is doing, like, the family minivan <laughs> Gotham in such a great way. I, I was like, I wanted to just take, you know, the Batmobile kind of off-roading in a, in a crazy way. So I wanted to make sure it announced that from the very first issue and on top of that, I felt like w what I hope comes through with the story is that on the surface, it has a lot of humor and, and almost uh, hyper violence and uh, I think kind of dark um, comedy to it and zaniness and action. But beneath the surface, it's it's a pretty personal story, you know, for me. And what happens, especially in this last issue in five, is uh, I wanted to, to get dark and hit, hit harder where you realize that. It's not just Two-Face that's been the bad guy. It's also Harvey. Um, and how devastating that is to Batman and uh, for Bruce to realize that he might have made a mistake, not just in terms of his intentions and, and turning Harvey good, but that um, Harvey might be farther, way farther back and um, darker, I think, than he, he expected. And, you know, for me, it, some people ask, like, is this about now and is it political and all that stuff? And it's really not. I mean, it's not, it, those things are baked into the DNA where it's not a story about, um, you know, one side or the other side. It has no partisan uh, leanings whatsoever. But what it is about, I think, in some ways is that I think there's a pervasive feeling of, um, of fear and also of 
of anger at one another and a, and a sense of um, cruelty that's there from both sides and from all of us towards each other when things are acrim- as acrimonious as they seem and also when things are scary in general, not, not because of the election, but in terms of the world. Um, and Two-Face kind of articulates that in the second issue. And, and he says, this is my time because everyone is scared and angry. And when they get that way, they indulge their worst impulses and you see the ugly sides of them uh, more clearly. And that's, that's me. And so um, I wanted it also just to be uh, clear that it was a, a personal story or, you know, that there, it wasn't just kind of fun and over the top, but that I hope it speaks to um, a certain sentiment I think that's out there now from, from all of us and me too, where I think after such a, a bruising year in so many ways, not just again with American politics, but just, you know, all the deaths and everything. It's just hard to look out at the world and not kind of want to retreat, I think in some ways. And Batman is saying, I see something good in you. Uh, and I, it's worth fighting for, you know, it's worth doing the right thing, whatever that means to you, even if your version of what's right is antithetical to mine. Um, doing that is always a struggle and it's something uh it's something you have to do even in the worst times. so it it, yeah i'm really this arc really came out better than i had hoped i mean i was nervous going in because it's so wonky like a road trip with them chained together and kg beast and all this stuff but it was just so much fun and i really i'm really proud of it it's one of my favorite things that i've done That's dude. It's a good point that you make as far as kind of the commentary that it has, kind of for the current affair of like maybe the world. You have this idea for Two Face kind of rolling around in your head for a while because you've been saying that you know I've got this idea for a Two Face story. I want to do this Two Face story, and then then you actually got down to writing it. Did you find yourself kind of adjusting what you were writing, or did you find yourself influenced by you know you had the story initially, you had an idea. But then as you sit down to write it, were you influenced by kind of the current state of whatever was going on around you and it kind of changed maybe the story a little bit in that sense? Maybe a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think I think some things like (laughs) the more Russia was mentioned, the more KGB became more more fun (laughs) (laughs) to use, you know, in some way. And I think um, I think a couple of beats at the end changed a little bit where um, initially I was going to have him. Bruce still argue his point um, that he would have changed Harvey and he should have, he should change him and, and make him good all the time. And as I got closer to the end, I realized that I just, I found that to be too, uh, too reductive and, and not really, it's not really Batman. It's more sort of, I think a desperate move and Batman would want Harvey to, to win on his own. It's the same thing he says in super heavy where Jim Gordon says, you know, Batman doesn't save us. He he believes in us to save ourselves. Um, and in that way, he sees the hero in us and he inspires us, you know, in the real world. Um, and especially, I think, in a situation like this, he he makes he's there to make Harvey fight um, and to win. So um, I changed it where that idea of the coin um, being two headed and being, new, you know, reminted by by Harvey's father to me is that kind of false um optimism that I think Batman has throughout the arc until the end where it doesn't mean that you don't see the best in people. And it doesn't mean that you don't by force of will believe they will be, um, uh, their better selves. It just means what Duke is trying to say is I look at the ugliness in my parents. I see everybody around us acting horrible to you. 
And when they do come around and act good, that just makes it more heroic. So it's important to see the pain they're going through and the suffering and all of the things that are making them um, hurt right now and act, act badly. You don't not have to look at that stuff. So that changed a little bit. And I think that was also, I think out of an impulse to, or not, not really even understand, but out of an impulse, I think just to, to say, it's not just sort of like, well, we hope for the best and, and, or we, you know, I believe in you or you believe in me. It's, it's seeing deeper than that and saying, this person is hurting because of this. I'm hurting because of this. We, it's very easy to fall into kind of, um, or indulge the the darker things you want to do or say because of those, um, because of the, you know, the anger and the fear you feel about the state of affairs in any kind of way. And to respect that and honor that and then say, when you do the right thing, even given these things that I see going on with you, it makes it even more admirable, you know. So that's that did change a little bit, I think, in that way. And some gadgets, <laughs> some mm. of the gadgets changed and the gambling chip. I didn't know that they'd go over the Niagara Falls on a gambling chip until I got there. And then I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so that was that was a really fun one. One thing I liked is that you you built this story with Bruce and Harvey back to when they were kids and it builds that relationship that they've known each other, you know, not just as adults, but also as children, even though technically they didn't know each other's names and Harvey was two a and Bruce was two B and knowing you, how you like to plant seeds and, and little Easter eggs and stuff like that. I got to thinking about that and I was wondering did you intend for the 2A to represent like Arkham Asylum and 2B to represent Bruce Batman? Well, I thought about it 2B almost more as like I did. I did. I, I was thinking, um, you know, to to be as more of a kind of action, like to oh, the, Bruce okay. is the one that sort of says um, he takes action and he goes out and he says, I will fight. Um, and Harvey, to me, a I did think of Arkham with with a, um, but I also just thought, you know, the first impulse is always to um, back away. I think when you when you're you see something frightening, but for Bruce, it's to dive in and, and act. Mm, okay. So it's more like it was it was those things and just kind of playing around with it a little bit. Okay. And I love that section. I mean, I really I love what Dean and um, how he colored it and and what John did with it too and. You know, I, I was worried about, I'm always worried about that stuff. You know, whenever you add anything to the mythos, even now I feel like um, people, I think they, they expect it from from um, from me at this point, just because I've done a lot with the characters so that if I'm, they I'm, if not expect it, they at least give me the leeway to try it. So I'm very lucky in that way. Uh, but that said, I always get nervous reintroducing Harold. I get nervous, you know, reintroducing KG Beast because these characters mean a lot to me. And and especially when you change anything that has to do with um, Harvey and Bruce, you know, I, I know it could rub people the wrong way or it could it could sound a false note. And I hope it didn't. I really love that aspect of it. But I also thought that in the New 52, their relationship was kind of muddy still and their relationship and rebirth hadn't really been um sort of untangled uh and i loved what pete did um with with two-face in uh in um 
in his Batman and Robin arc. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like there wasn't a clear sense of, of how well Bruce and Harvey knew each other and where that came from. And yeah. so I felt like it would be worth it to go back to the beginning, but not do it in a way where it was the acid in the face, which I feel like you see over and over and over in two face stories. And so I wanted to go deeper. And, you know, I, I like the idea just because it doesn't also negate the stuff that's come before. It lets, um, long Halloween stand or, you know, uh, dark victory stand because as much as those things can stand given the 52, um, and rebirth, uh, just because it doesn't say, well, they knew each other then. And they, so when you see them meet again in those later stories, um, it negates that instead they didn't know until after those stories that that was who they were talking to anymore in the, in the, right. in the present. So yeah. for me, it kind of adds something without stepping on new things and, you know, I I like the idea of two boys meeting at these very very dark time at a place that's supposed to be rehabilitative too. That's a mirror image of Arkham, also. You know, what happened to Gentleman Ghost? Let's just get it on the. T- we saw him on the back of the truck. Well, he's a ghost ass. Everyone wanted. I know. I I didn't realize people would love having him in there so much i just thought it was i love the character i mean craddock and and you know uh, i'd love to eat it but i had so many villains i wanted to stuff in i just thought it was more of a fun beat and then i got so such a response i was like oh, i can't believe i didn't use him more because everybody was like where's Jonathan ghost i wanted to see him with that machine gun and whatever and so i learned my lesson next time i put gentleman ghost in he stick around for a while. a couple of themes that like i think i noticed especially near the wrapping up of the issue Specifically with Harvey and with Alfred, um, like the theme of betrayal, you know, came up a good amount. And Bruce, mm. you know, your your Batman seems to have, um, you know, faith and trust in the good in people and trying to, you know, basically putting his life on the line to bring out that good in others, you know. Mm. But then he's betrayed all the time. Um, and so, you know, what does do you think that speaks at all to maybe like your personal journey? Um, as maybe a writer or um, as maybe, you know, someone who is trying to do the right thing and you're, you're striving so hard to get there, but things are always kind of working against you. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a great question. I mean, I think for, for Bruce, I mean, he's always the one that's going to get up and say, I believe in you. And so the job in a story like this is to, to continue to sort of break him every moment, everyone he trusts to turn on him. There was even a point where, I had um, Harold living with his mother. His mother sort of ran the farm above the the facility that he has beneath the um, farm, and uh, and she calls um, the uh, the cops on Batman, and and the whole place got destroyed. and And then I just didn't want to do that to Harold because I loved reintroducing him so much. I didn't want to be that cruel to him. And I I love the idea that he kind of represents Batman's argument that there are people who've been kicked and who've had terrible, terrible sort of circumstances in their life, um, and yet go out there to be good and make the choice to be to be good people in their private lives and in their public lives. Um, so I didn't want to hurt him uh, in that regard. But speaking to what you were saying, I mean, for me, it's also beyond sort of just putting obstacles in Batman's way and, and giving examples of both good and bad. It's the person for me, I mean, that, that says those things the most, those like hurtful things that then betray you, it's usually you, you know, in the way that I let myself down and I, you know, I act in ways or say things that I regret and I sometimes act out of fear, act out of 
And it's that fear, I think, that really looms the largest for Bruce and also for me as a writer in the story. It's that sense of you are going to betray yourself by not – you say you believe in this. You say you're going to push through. You say you're going to be a hero. But ultimately, um, you're going to chicken out or you're going to do the wrong thing. And and so that feeling, I, I wanted it to be pretty pervasive where even Alfred says – don't do it. Don't, don't change him. And not because he doesn't, um, think it's the right thing, but just be out of fear. He's almost like, we all let each other down. Just keep it the way it is. You don't need to fight this fight. We're all worse than, you know, we want to admit, just leave it alone. And in that way, I felt like that was kind of the ultimate, the ultimate, um, betrayal where he even has his own father figure just saying, you know, walk away from this one. Uh, don't don't push it any farther because you're giving up too much. People will let you down. Don't believe in them. <laughs> like don't don't believe in them beyond what's what's just sort of the gray area of normal. And Batman is like, no, I, I will believe in them to the nth degree always. Even uh, but I will be better at recognizing the darkness in them. But it doesn't mean I won't believe. Uh, that they'll come out the other side uh, and be the heroes I know they can be ultimately. Do you want All-Star to m- keep going past its year mark? Is- yeah. Yeah, I have, I have like... <laughs> we I mean, do I really too. Do. Yeah, we I do think too. The hardest, the hardest <laughs> thing I have, my big worry is just when I'm writing the event with Capullo, which I start in about a month, um, assuming everything goes well, uh, I'm nervous about writing three Batman stories all at once. I've never written more than one at a time. But doing the backups and the features and this, it's a Bat-centric event. It's a its a Batman-based mm-hmm. event. So to do all of that at once, I get nervous that All-Star, it might make it, might be something that I um, take a month off or something like that and then and then just continue on the other, do a director's cut and then continue on the other side. Or, But it's a series that I want to keep going and DC has definitely um, been enthusiastic about me keeping going. Mm-hmm in perpetuity. And I mean, I would, I would love to, I have the stories I have already. I have this, you know, so this next arc that goes through nine and then I have an arc that I'd like to do, um, with, with Duke and Batman that ties into this event with Capullo and brings in a whole big batch of villains and a secret, a new villain from, um, Batman's past that I think will be a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, and then I have the story with Sean, which is, you know, five issues there. So that takes me up to about 20, and then um, I want to do a story with Lee Bermejo. It's this Joker story I've had in the back of my head forever. Oh, nice. Um, okay. And he wants to do it. I told him the story, and he wants to do it. He was So, you know, there's that. So that takes me up to about 25. Oh, and so. just real quick, um, two nights ago. Wait, what was the last? Was the, I can't even remember. It was last night, two nights ago, we had Jason Fabagon, and he wants to do one with you as well when uh, yeah. the schedules line up. So uh, I'd love to, man. I love Jay. He's terrific. Bad Force Connections. So that's yeah, 30 well, issues. No, he, he could be a nicer guy. <laughs> such a big talent. I'd love to work with him. So, yeah, yeah you know, it's really – I would love to keep it going. Um, I have every intention of doing it. I also – I mean – I certainly have it through um, issue 15 right now. I just, I'm sort of like, and the stories on the other side of that, the Sean story and the and the Lee story are ones that I want to do hugely. Like I, the, I promised those artists, and I I'm dying to do them. So there's really no chance that it's gonna, there's no chance that it's gonna go away or anything. I just, I'm looking at that one stretch, being like, I might need a co-writer. I might need some mm-hmm. help in here, just because I don't want the quality to suffer, but I can't. 
I can't skimp on the one with Capullo. Yeah. Like, you know, and I also need bring Tom King. The other thing the is double like, duty. That'd be perfect. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, yeah. Well, he's, he's just, he's exploded, and he's, he's helping me with the event. To be honest, like he's helping cool. me plan it and all that stuff, and he's been great with the internal sort of um, development of it. Um, but he's got such a workload himself. It's one of those things where it's just, I'm trying to figure out how to stagger everything and do it in blocks. Um, but the things that have to happen a hundred percent right now are, um, the event with Capullo, um, all-star and, uh, finishing AD, which I should be done in about a week. So that's not, and then witches, I, I just have to, mm. I have to get that up running again too. So, well, I appreciate you coming on. Let's talk more about the story I submitted for witches. So, hi there, everybody. This is Tim Sale. Uh, you're near listening to Bat Force Radio. Hey, this is Greg Capullo, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio. Good people of Gotham. This is Bat Force Tom's wife. Thank you for listening to Bat Force Radio. Now will you take the trash out? Fine, God, do it now. Juggling plates right now, like you're. Yeah, you're well, it's hard plates. because they're all they're all like the. I mean, I love all those jobs. I love all those books, yeah. you know. And if I could write American Vampire for the rest of my life and be happy, you know, I mean, there isn't one project that I have that I don't really really like and. It's hard because I have two other I have two other ideas I really want to do. I have this horror series I really want to do, um, but I, I just can't yet. You know, I have mm. to. Mm. I could, but I just it wouldn't be right. I want to. I really want to do another arc of witches and close um, this part of American Vampire down before yeah. I launch anything new. Given that I was doing AD, so. Mm. You know, you you said that you had some breathing. Well, you I don't know. You said that you thought you'd have a little bit more breathing room because Batman was switching to uh, twice monthly. Um, and then with you not writing that, you would, you know, essentially have more time. But I don't think that's the case, man. Like you sound even busier <laughs> than you were when you were writing Batman because you were doing at one point Batman. Uh, you were on Witches and then you kind of switched. You did like Superman and Chain for a bit. You always had your, you know, and then you were doing um, Wake. Yeah, but this that's time, right. You're doing like main titles, though, like <laughs> across the board. It's not like little little arcs here and there. So do you feel like you're more busy right now? It's hard to. I mean, I feel. I. I think what it is is that the books I'm on are not. They. They have different kinds of pressure. So, like the event with Capullo, right? That's. There's a lot of pressure on that in terms of. I want to make sure it's absolutely, um, as good as I can make it. It's surprising. It's fun. It's a summer blockbuster kind of a story for you guys, where, you get like all kinds of Batman rock opera goodness, you know, where it's Batman out of control and Joker dragons and nutty stuff. Um. So in that way, it doesn't have the same grind because it's six issues or so, and it takes place over a set amount of time. So I don't have the same like never get a break, always on the hamster wheel thing. And the same thing here with with um, All Star. You know, I can build in, I could build in a month off without it affecting things the same way it would have on Batman before. Um, but yeah, it's so there's a little bit more flexibility, but the pressure. And my the pressure I put on the books is high for me. I mean, I'll start. I just I really really sweat these issues. Like I don't. I want to make sure this is some of my best work, and mm. I, I don't want to be doing it as a vanity thing. I want it to be, you know, uh, I want I want it to feel really substantial that each issue. And wait till you see. I'll actually. Oh, I'm gonna send you guys the. Oh, you, well, you saw. I'm sure that tease that I put out of the art from Lisa from Tula. 
Lotte and that stuff and um, the Ivy stuff and, you know, Paul Pope coming up and all that stuff too. And Sean, I just want it to feel like this series is really, really, um, you know, a showcase for both all this incredible art and for the character and hopefully Mm. for a writing styles, different writing styles I've never tried with him before, too. Oh, that's going to make well, a nice absolute, know. man. That absolute. I'm just... <laughs> I'm already thinking about just that. So. Write in your request right now to DC DC Entertainment mm. for that absolute <laughs> edition. Um, yeah, did, you so. that, did you say that you are, you are done writing 15 issues? No, no, no. I'm done writing 9 right now. Issues. Okay. So, okay. Um, I'm starting in on issue 10. Got it after I take a couple weeks to finish up um, After Death, and then I'm going back to write issue 10, which is the beginning of the arc after the one that comes up with issue 6, that starts with issue 6. Now, is that just the uh, story that's been done? Are you still waiting on art to come in, too? You mean for, for 10? Yeah, or for 9. Uh, no, well, no, 9 is going to be Afua Richardson, so she's working on it now. I just, mm-hmm. I'm just just giving her stuff right now, so um, she just handed in the cover sketches and all that where stuff. Did, and, where did you uh discover her i never seen her art until you posted it and i started following her and yeah she's, she's great, great i artist. actually i discovered I, I i'm basically what happened was um mark doyle who's the bat editor was looking through stuff of new talent out there and he showed me some of her stuff along with um with lisa actually with tula lote and a couple other people a few years ago and um i really liked it and i i talked to her about possibly doing an issue um it was a long time ago it was like all the way back when we were just about a few only a few issues into super heavy um and i thought about seeing if she wanted to do a fill-in somewhere or do backups or an annual and our schedules just never really clicked um but she was excited to do some stuff on american vampire and we just hit it off and we met a couple times at different cons and I met her husband and we just really all got along well. And I thought it should be a great, a great fit for the story that I have planned there it involves Selena and another villain that, um, you know, I think will be fun to, to see and Washington DC and, <laughs> and all of it. So yeah, I really like her a ton. I think, I think this lineup of, you know, Camo, I mean, uh, you, I guess, uh, Giuseppe, uh, Camon Coley, um, Lisa, Tulalote, Jock, and um, uh, Afour is really going to sort of knock people out with Francesco Francavilla on all the backups too. So, wow. it, damn, yeah, it really Ooh, is all star <laughs> game, man. That's it's the all star game. <laughs> I know, is, I love it because it's amazing. just it really. I write differently for each one, and it just it's so much fun for me. It really, I, I hope that shows in the book. I mean, even when the issues are more somber, a little bit less kind of over the top fun, like. Like the way the freeze issue is is more um, subdued, you know. It's still it, it was so much fun for me to do that and try writing that way for him, and I just really got off on it. It was great. I gotta say that issue was fucking amazing. Thanks, dude. <laughs> it was awesome. Thanks, I love seeing really, freeze. I loved it. Oh, oh yeah, I, I thank you so much for doing a freeze story. Mm-hmm. You were. Yeah. You know. Grandpa Batman's favorite, one of his favorite artists is Jock, and his favorite rogue is is Mr. Freeze. So, Gramps, how'd you like that issue? Oh yeah, oh. man. Oh god. And, and, and really, yeah. <laughs> he read it in the shower crying. <laughs> I, had to take a, I had to take a cold shower after it. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, in the Ivy one, I'm, it's funny because each story takes place um, outside of Gotham. They kind of take place in extreme places. So. Mm. 
Um, I'm trying to give Tom his room in Gotham also. So it's like this one takes place in Alaska and then the, um, the Ivy one takes place in Death Valley, which is pretty fun in Nevada where she goes there because she tries to see what she can make from these really ancient, um, uh, bristlecone pines. Like there's some of the oldest living things in the, in, on the planet and she can make these incredible, incredible, um, medicinal sort of blooms and cures for things. And Batman goes there to get her help and, it's really fun because she's just out in the middle of nowhere and it's the opposite from, you know, the free story in terms of landscape. And then mm-hmm. the Hatter one takes place in the Everglades down in the, um, in sort of the lushest, wettest place. And yeah. he's kind of almost a Southern gentleman kind of figure in it. And the, mm-hmm. the, um, each issue starts with Batman in that same exact framework, walking out of a landscape that it does with the freeze story where those four panels where he kind of emerges from the snow <laughs> and the next one, he emerges from the sand and the next one, he emerges from the swamps. So it's each one has that same awesome. framework as it comes out of stuff. So nice, awesome. Scott. really nice touch yeah. on the, um, Robert Frost poem with fire and ice. I feel like this, no, thanks. disparate images between like, yeah, like where freezes and all the, you know, the cold and then Ivy and Nevada, like fire, and I said it makes a lot of sense to me thanks man yeah I was I was just thinking about like for me at least like it, again that next arc every every story and it's in the Two-Face story too but I every story has this kind of sense of doom where you know all the the villains kind of articulate this feeling that I think people have that there's a real fragility to the world right now you know um, where you feel like I was meeting with a um, a neighbor of mine who worked for the Department of Defense and stuff at different times. And he, he always scares me by telling me how easy it is to kind of knock a country's power grid down or do all of this stuff. We have all these kind of capabilities with <laughs> cyber bugs. And it's terrifying where he's like, it's nuclear proliferation just behind the scenes. And I think all of that stuff is in the air and in the zeitgeist in that sense of, you know, these private ideologies that people have, whether they're just crazy and, and you know, walk into a place with with anger or they're part of a larger ideologies it's just there's a there's a a real sense of anxiety i think around it being um a fragile time for anything and all the villains kind of express that and and they're all they're all kind of iconically scary i think because they represent different different sort of um potential endings um ivy you know being the kind of um vegetation you know vegetative plague of some kind um, or the, even just representing the overgrowth that'll happen when we're all dead, whereas Freeze is the kind of, you know, the Ice Age and then Hatter is really madness, which is a lot of fun. So what's it been like for you coming off of the uh, stuff with uh, John Reed and then kind of going into the one shots like, you know, kind of can get sporadic sometimes or hard for like a writer to go from like basically like, you know, the, the continuity of having the same artist and then kind of jumping from one shot artist to one shot artist. Is that has it been good? Like, has it been? you know, uh, frustrating or difficult or has it been just like awesome flow for you? It really, I mean, it really has been awesome, but mostly I think I'm so close to, you know, Jock is one of my best friends. So that was a really easy transition, you know, cause we know each other so well where it's like, look, and we've done one shots before together too. So it was sort of, here's the short story. I can write it in shorthand for him. I know how he likes to draw. And then with Lisa, We've become very, very close over the last couple of years as well. I'm going to Thought Bubble, she runs, you know, Thought Bubble, the con, and leads. And um, I've been going for a number of years and, and got to know her. And, and my wife really likes her as well. And we hung out. So I've gotten to know how she likes to work. So the first two in a row were really just like calling up a friend and being like, hey, here, here are the ideas. 
you know, I always try and do that, like with John, um, too, with, with um, Ramita. You know, when I went to him, I said, like, look, there, I have a couple of different Two-Faced ideas. The one I think I'm most excited about is this crazy road trip story. And I think it would really surprise people to see you do it. And if I only want to do it if you're excited in a way that makes you feel hungry and excited about, you know, getting getting on the page with Batman. Um, and if he had said to me, no, I'd rather stay in Gotham, I would have figured something out that would have been different for me in Gotham than I've ever tried. And I had a couple ideas about how to make it how to make it different. But, you know, so it's that it's 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 I love the challenge of All Star where it's going in and saying, OK, um, you know, Paul Pope, what character do you want to use? Oh, you want to use Joker? Okay, well, how do we do that in a way we haven't seen before? Well, here's some ideas. What do you think? Which do you respond to? Okay, do you feel like you have more than one issue? You feel like you have 40 pages? Well, then let's make a big oversized. Okay, you know, and I love the challenge of that, like the writing exercise of it, because I know what my take is on these villains. Like I know my Ivy, for example, is is scary is very scary but is anti-heroic she's not just this dark you know killing machine or anything like that and she's not an eco warrior necessarily either um but so i hope you like her. i'm really excited about it but you know mr freeze i have my take on and you know two-face clearly i have you know i have my take on joker i i know who my joker is and so it's not like i go in there and i just make up what things based on what they say I have the core and I say, this is what the story is about. No matter what we do, it's, it's about Two-Face saying right now is a time when people are feeding their uglier halves. And I'm going to challenge Batman in a way that says, let's bet on the whole state or the whole city and let's flip a coin essentially and, and take the risk and see which side comes up, you know, bet on, bet, bet on whether they're heroes or villains. And then I can use whatever framework, depending on how many issues John can do and what he feels like to sort of adjust and make sure that the, the artist on the book is going to work extremely happy. To me, that's like when the real magic happens on the book is in general, that was with Capullo too. You know, I, I it took me a while to learn that also, you know, where I, 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 I mean, I always tried to keep in contact and make sure the artist liked what I was doing initially when I first started out. But the lesson like in the first year of doing Batman was just, you know, call up and be like, Hey, do you like this? Do you want to draw something else? What, what do you feel like doing? What, what, what are you in the mood for? And if you know what the story's about, you can always adjust. And in the class I teach, I'm always trying to show them that, that it's, you know, it, cause you're going to get editorial notes too, where they come in and they say, you know, you can't use doomsday. You got to use death stroke. You can't use this again. And you have to be able to say, that's not a big deal because I know what the story's about. And I, I know, I know what I'm trying to say with it. And in that way, some of the pieces are, are flexible or malleable. And that's the same way I approach artists is to be like, you know, here's, here's what the Ivy story is about. Would you rather draw it in Hawaii in like a lush area? Or would you rather do something really stark and spooky like Death Valley and that, and, you know, sort of move back and forth through the different possibilities that way. Has anybody, any of your artists surprised you with maybe a choice they've made or something they've brought to you that you didn't think about that you were like, fuck, that's awesome. Now let's do that. Yeah. Well, it was Lisa really did, which uh, Tula, which is, is great. And so did Fua has as well. And, and um, Camo, I mean, everybody has in, in interesting ways. Jock came up with the idea of this, um, of doing um, Mr. Freeze in a way where the veins in his skin were were almost like shattered blue and black. And then when Batman carries in this disease to, to kind of, um, spoiler, but to, to fight off this kind of spore that he's trying to release, 
he was like, I'm going to make the veins in Batman burning red hot and we'll have this fire and ice. And so they're always bringing really cool ideas. But like Lisa with poison Ivy was like, you know, I really don't want to draw that costume the way she has it in the leotard and this, do you mind if I do a more classic version? And I pitched it to Mark and I'm like, oh, look, yes. at what, <laughs> look at what she's drawing. It's, it's like, a, <laughs> it looks amazing, you know, and she looks human and really she looks like she looks human until she uses her powers. And when she uses her powers, you see this kind of lighted green veins in her and stuff that make her really, really spooky and her eyes become kind of translucent. And yet she's wearing this really cool Ivy, much more of a kind of classic classic yes, costume dude, from the series perfect so i love it i love it and, you know oh, awesome. similarly like, yeah and with um with hatter uh camo it's that's the giuseppe we all call him camo he's like um he basically we went back and forth and got on the phone for like an hour being like hatter okay you know what because at first i was like oh, we'll just use the classic look and i was like you know what Fuck that! I hate the classic look of like the the the. He looks like such a fool in this like big green coat and the hat and the bow tie. The Alice in Wonderland look. He, <laughs> yeah, when he looks like so Alice in Wonderland, it just looks goofy, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I want to keep the look of him is exactly the same, where he has the teeth and the nose and the hair, like his body, who he is, is the same. But we came up with this idea, and I'm probably spoiling everything, but like that. In the real world, he's he's just a small kind of gentlemanly guy in a hat, like where he wears, and he looks the same. He looks, his you know, he has the same face, same body, but he's wearing kind of a nice, you know, little dapper, almost haberdasher suit with a hat, you know. But when you're under his influence, he grows into this terrifying thing with this long hat. You know what I mean? He's almost like the Lord of 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 of. Um, of madness there in that realm where suddenly he has tremendous power. So he's really scary when you get into sort of what you're seeing when you're under his influence. But in the real world, he just looks like a little guy in a hat. Like he looks like Mad Hatter, but it's just more tailored and less kind of, you know, right out of Alice in Wonderland storybook. And I love that idea. And that was, that was a lot of camo talking back and forth with me about how to, how to make him classic and have him talk the way he talks and, Nothing big changed, but try something new with him also visually because I've never found him particularly intimidating. Mm-hmm. But now in this, he's really scary where he's like – because, you know, when you think about Hatter, I mean, the thing that's great to me is in this – so he's working on – I'm spoiling more, but he's he, he's working on this tech that essentially you is the tech that Harvey mentions in issue three, I think it is, of – or two, it's issue two of All Star. As a boy, he says, one day they're going to develop a lens where you can look out and skin the world however you want. And what what Manhattan is doing is he's developed these hats where when you wear them, they work with your neurology to let you do that. So you could look out and see the world as it is, or you can skin it so that like your wife looks like somebody else, but she's still there. It's still the superstructure of the world exists. But your car could look different. You could have the sky filled with dragons if you wanted. You could have it on a porn setting and see everybody naked. If it was, you, know, you could have it black and white. There you go, Trump. <laughs> so it's really cool. It's a visual feast, first of all, for, for camo and for anybody that's depicting that, you know, because it's everyone in their own head looking out at the world however they want. But it also, I think it speaks to the way that we're becoming more and more extremely subjective and choosing what we want to believe and choosing choosing our sort of, our worlds become more 
are more singular and individuated without any kind of central <laughs> objectivity anymore. And um, ultimately, what I like about it is he says, everybody should be this way. Everyone wants that. Wear, wear the hat and see the world however you want. I'm not a villain. And Batman's like, yeah, but when you take the hat off, it's still, your technology doesn't work where it burns into your brain. So you keep seeing like that with the hat off. And he's like, well, yeah, but, <laughs> you know, and he's like, <laughs> so he is kind of, a, he is a villain. And, and he's also, he, he, he starts talking to Batman where he's like, little does Batman know he's, he's under the influence in a different way already. And it's really fun because it's, to me, um, the scariest thing is if anyone, you know, if you've ever had any experience with when you're just not, you're not yourself or you're, you're, you know, whether it's depression or anxiety or paranoia or whatever it is, but you know, those feelings when you're not thinking rationally, those moments, um, and you can't trust your mind. There's nothing scarier than when your mind becomes a trap or becomes, you know, a prison. And that's what, why I think Hatter is suddenly so intimidating to me when I think of him that way, where he's sort of like, you don't know if what you're seeing out in the world is real anymore. You know, I do. Um, and in that world, I'm terrifying to you. I can grow to 20 feet tall and have a hat that's like a hundred feet long trailing behind me and have sharp teeth and long fingers and scuttle across the ground, you know? So it's, he's spooky, you know? Anyway, sorry, that was a long diatribe. Uh, we're, so, we're soaking it up, dude. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, I'm taking notes. <laughs> this is, uh, this is Scott Snyder's <laughs> fine. This is amazing. I didn't realize how much I was going to like, or we were going to like the John Romita Jr. stuff. The art mixed with your words and just the story. It came out awesome. Thanks. And I think what kind of really revved it up for me personally was, uh, when he did that kind of, uh, one shot Joker, Dark Knight Returns prequel. Mm -hmm. The art that he did in that was, I was like, oh my God, look how, look how dark this is. Look how fucking badass he can be. And it's like, oh, I can't wait till he's on All Star. So that was cool. But then when, again, when we see the freeze take uh, with Jock, it's like, holy shit, this is completely different and cool. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, dude, you're killing it with the awesome fucking suits, dude. Suit that, that Batman's wearing, and it's got the little ears, dude. Yes, dude. DC Collectibles so line three. We need that yes. figure. <laughs> and he's got a good one in, uh, in, the, in one of the ones coming up, too. You'll see. It's pretty fun. <laughs> so good. You know what's badass is, I'm sure you've noticed, obviously, but all the crazy suits that you've made in like your runs have, for the most part, become figures, right? <laughs> so I yeah, think... I love... I, I just... I, it, I mean, it's partly it's just the fun of it, where you're like, of course he would have desert suit, you know? Yeah, Why would yeah. he? Like he's no, gonna go out I, there in gray and black. I no, he'd have one that's like knuckles. Yeah, mm. you know, and of course he'd have this, and of course he'd have that, yeah. and you know, it's, it's always like, it's fun. It's, it feels like you're bringing to life like the the Kenner Batman Returns, like all mm -hmm. the ridiculous and crazy suits that he had that he never actually used in the movie. <laughs> but as a kid, you imagine like, oh, this is like a deep dive suit. Oh, this is like a freeze blast suit. You know, all this is a wall crawler suit. Yeah. And what's awesome is like, you know, I'm I'm sure they're just loving your stuff because, like I said, they made the, um, they made the Court of Owls suit. They made the Justice Buster. Well, Mattel yeah. kind of made that one. It's like a build of build of. I just bought thing. the Bat Bunny. Yeah. 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 The, oh, yeah. And I think what's you know it kind of almost puts a different perspective on your war on like what you do on your story because I think that. I mean, I don't think a lot of people, or I think, you know, there, there are a lot of people who read Super Heavy, but I don't think there's as many people that read it that are actually got, getting the figure, you know, and that's cool, like, <laughs> that they like this figure, and they see this action figure that's like, what is this suit? This is nuts. I gotta buy, you know, 
and they're getting that and it's probably going to get them into the comics so mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool interesting thing is you know you're kind of drawing people in in another aspect there too yeah but where's our yeah, mr bloom figure though we're still waiting for the bloom figure man i gotta yeah. hit up oh man players. i hope they do that i really do like, a, they, like interchangeable yeah. arms that you know extend more creepy and just... ass he comes he comes back actually in something coming oh. up too so. oh. <laughs> yeah. i was gonna the other daryl plant um, that seed in issue six yeah, 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 well, exactly. Yeah, that's that's awesome. okay. so. I like how you strip them down too. Oh, okay, we're getting into spoilers, but this is a spoiler-heavy episode. We'll have to, we'll have to make <laughs> that uh, obvious. But, yeah, no, it's it's cool how you strip him back and you show like really what this guy is. You know, thanks. Um, He's almost baby take Groot. His, yeah, <laughs> take his power away, and it's like, damn, this guy's sad. You know, <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I I love bringing back all those characters. It's a lot of fun, and the. You know, with with this too, just the series. It, I mean, it allows me to kind of expand and contract. So, like these one shots, again, it's all one story, and it's clear by the second issue because he goes to Ivy to to cure the cataclysmic thing that starts with Freeze's spores, um, and you see that that's carrying forward. And then the third one, you see it's getting worse, and with Hatter. So it's really, um, it's one story, but you know, it, it's almost four little it's four little examinations of these of these villains escalating and then after that i get to do another arc that's more like the one i did with john where it's four issues you know straight up non-stop crazy um uh uh sort of action and then i get to do the one with sean which is way different where it's really almost our kind of like a dkr type story it's basically like almost like an old man logan story really it's really fun i'm excited about it um i've been thinking about it for a bit and then come back from that and get to do a shorter one that's just one or two with paul with paul pope that's really um uh you know a, a tiny little joker story that's scary and then blow it up bigger with lee and do another so it's it's almost like I can expand and contract and yeah. you know do a story that that allows me to try something new in a small way and like needlepoint and then a bigger sort of over the top arc you know next and that constant sort of renewal is so great with this series because you know as much as um as much as you could do that with Batman Batman needed to constantly really just elevate and roll like look what Tom's doing it's like one arc pounding into the next arc pounding into the next arc Mm. where it's one giant story building and building and building and building until you get to the end of the year you get to the second year and it twists it and that i love that i mean and i loved i love doing that and i loved i think trying to create arcs that would have a beginning middle and an end and then hook you a little bit but this one really allows me to sort of texture it all different where i can i don't need to make this arc set the next one up perfectly even though the weirdest part of the whole thing is that like everyone at DC makes fun of me because I was like, well, with this series, I don't have to go big and bombastic if I don't want. And they're like, but that's what you do anyway. You know, I'm I'm always like, well, the whole world will end if he doesn't save it. And so even though I don't have to do it, I tend to gravitate towards that stuff on my own. So it winds up being pretty, this arc leads to the next arc leads to the next arc. Just it's the not needing to do it is is fun. I I want to see an, animated version of this one day down the road too man it's just mm. that's how it reads like now to read uh my own worst enemy in one sitting is just it, it's a wild ride you feel like you're on the road with them and you're you're feeling those stabs and punches and and the oh shit moments you know it's just it's just and the humor yeah it's, it's i think so that's what i think the humor i was nervous about at times too because it's like 
especially at the end because I, I wanted to make sure that it had the ending the ending hit and the pain mm. of the ending hit but then john was sort of like you know we got less what about what about like a stinger at the very end like a movie you know after the credits and i'm like uh okay well the only thing i can think think of is like <laughs> batman completely fucking with but i hope you guys liked it i didn't want to i didn't oh, want yeah. to definitely yeah. that was hilarious. good you know like the, the man cave joke i thought was fun too. yes, that yes. Was cool. yeah. <laughs> thanks and uh and uh, commissioner gordon uh kind of having that smirk on his face like what do you think he has some mechanism that leads you down the wrong <laughs> stairway if he's if you're not Batman? <laughs> I know I, lo- I love like, the way like I, he Gordon, knew I love, that he does have that. Yeah, I love his like willful denial of everything. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you him know, so happy. He like he knows in, you know our version of him like it's just like by absolute force of will he will not admit or look at the fact that he he knows already but he he's never admitted it to himself so he doesn't know. Yeah, you know, but he has to constantly well, like it's like he has to. Every, every like you know, mental sort of strength he has has to be directed at not knowing what he already knows. Plausible deniability. He yeah, exactly. say, you, you know, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what? The sense I got from like this, just the take and the feel, especially kind of earlier in when you know it's fresh and new, the first issue, first two, three issues, you're not really sure what you're going to get, and when you kind of smack with the action. And the kind of brutality and the little mix of humor, it almost feels like a Guy Ritchie film, you know, where it's like the <laughs> yeah. perfect mix of all three, like action, like, you know, brutal, like violence. But at the same time, it kind of cuts back a little bit. It cuts through that with just the right amount of humor before it brings you back around to the other sense. Thanks, so, man. I appreciate yeah, it's, saying that. It's, it's really cool. And I hope you kind of keep that up because I think you do it really well. And it's it's a nice little nice little touch that um, I don't think a lot of people do as much, you know, so it's cool. Thanks. I always just feel like, you know, there's room for humor and because one, one of the things I think is like, you know, I I love the Nolan movies. And one of the things I think gets overlooked because the success of those movies, I think, carries forward where people want to do very dark Batman a lot of the time. And my hope is that the Batman, the Ben Affleck one has a lot of um, humor and, and action in ways that that aren't necessarily dark. And I'm sure it will. Jeff is, you know, such a good um I think a good influence and all that stuff. But the, um, for us, like, I just love the idea of, of Batman being, um, inspirational and celebratory and badass. And he doesn't need to always be sort of so, uh, you know, in the rain and dark and, and those are fun. I love doing that, but he can also be a figure where he's hilariously, you know, badass and Kung Fu and you, you don't know what's coming from him and the gadgets and, and all that stuff is what I was going to say is that the Nolan movies, I think, like the thing that carries forward for a lot of people is it, you remember it being dark and, and that stuff. But when you think back, it's actually they're full of humor. You know, I mean, Dark Knight, where he he's like, you know, um, coming out on the motorcycle out of the Batmobile. Those are moments that are joyous. They're not. Dark I'm not moments. wearing hockey pads. You know, right. That's and like. <laughs> Or when when the lights go on and he's behind Joker. I mean, those whenever Batman's badass, it's a joyous moment where he's like, you follow him into an alley and then he comes flying out at you in a giant plane. Those are like, oh, that's awesome, and <laughs> that stuff is is just as important as like the the dark, you know, the dark kind of scariness of him and the 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 toughness of him are those is that he's a celebratory character. I mean, in, to me at least, in the way that he. 
he says to us, no matter how you trap me and no matter how you beat me up, no matter what you do to me, I'm going to get back up and kick your ass. And that, that I'll always have a trick up my sleeve or I'll always fight back from the brink. Mm. And that's why those moments aren't just sort of of humor are important to the character because they're, I just think that levity and that excitement that comes with seeing him do something that's almost hilariously badass is just baked into the DNA of the best Batman stuff, in my opinion. I like how Frank Miller said it too. He said, Frank, what do you say? He's, uh, Batman's is a diamond. You could do anything to him and he won't break. Yeah. <laughs> He's so funny, man. He had the best answer ever at this, when we were at that, this con together. I can't wait to go on. I'm going on this cruise with him and Azarello and all those guys in January. <laughs> it's that fantasy one. It's yeah. like, and um, Capullo's going too. We're all, it's like basically half the comic industry is on this boat. And um, I was talking to Frank and I'm like, <laughs> when we were signing at Midtown and I'm just like, as long as we play shuffleboard, I want a picture of playing shuffleboard together. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> right. But the, um, the, we were at a con, we were at a con <laughs> and this young girl asked, you know, which is the best version of Batman ever, do you think? And he was just like, whichever one's your favorite. And it was just the best answer because he meant it sincerely. Like, there is no best version. It's the version that you like the best is the best, you mm-hmm. know, and Absolutely. that's what matters. And it, it was just, it was just like classic Frank where it was like the perfect thing to say to a young fan. Yeah. It was great. He, he was so funny at the Dallas convention because, you know, he's having this panel and uh, people are asking questions, and this one guy went up to ask a question, and he, he was like, I have a question for Frank. And so everyone's expecting this, you know, serious question. He goes, uh, Mr. Miller, I was wondering if you could help me ask uh, my girlfriend over there to marry me. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, I heard about this, yeah. <laughs> oh, and Frank's like, he like looks at her, and he's like, we put this poor schlep out of his misery. That's hilarious. That sounded hilarious. This is hilarious. Meow. This is Selena Kyle. Some call me Catwoman. And when I'm not pulling the perfect crime snatching diamonds along with Batman's heart all over Gotham, I'm curled up next to my kitty and listening to Bat Force Radio. Okay, so last time uh, you talked with us, you told us about your opportunity to go have dinner with Frank, and now you get to sit in with him at at signings and conventions. Uh, even though you're you're friends with him now, is there a part of you that still feels surreal? Like this this is Frank Miller. Oh sure, oh, that happens all the time, man. It's I constantly, you know. I mean, I'm always, you know, always aware of him being. Like you, you know the 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 pinnacle um, of of Batman stuff and and all of it. Like, but um, he disarms you really quick because he's so approachable once you start talking to him yeah. about stuff. So then all of a sudden it's just oh you're talking to somebody who has so many interesting things to say about the character and all this stuff and and he also just asks you a lot about your life and you go back and forth and you know it it, it sort of. And then all of a sudden you'll remember and be like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Frank Miller. And then he'll go back the other way where he like he's asking you about your kids and whatever. And then he'll flip back the other way. And so, yeah, I mean, it never that stuff never gets old. You know, it's like meeting Adam West or him or Kevin Conroy or any of it like, just holds up. You know, it, it, you still it's really hard to to get over it a lot of the time, you know, slightly off topic. I just want to um, when I started reading Super Heavy, um. I was so interested in Julie Madison. I knew she had a, a past and whatnot. 
I've been recently banging out the all the Batman Golden Age stuff, and I was like, ah, oh, fucking Scott put like one of the first characters ever in, in Bruce <laughs> Wayne's history in Super Harry. I'm like, fucking hey, man, that's fucking awesome, dude. So thanks, man. Yeah, that was the first the first first woman he dated. Yeah, so. that was just I think fiance back when they were like getting kidnapped by vampires mm-hmm. or mad monk or something. I was yeah, like, I was like going back and looking at all that stuff when we did that one. That was uh, fun. Shit. We we put in some Easter eggs like the truck, the truck in soup in uh that um Batman drives in All Star Number One says BF Movers Bill Finger yeah. and stuff like that. We tried to sneak in some Easter eggs. I thought that was Batman's movers, <laughs> yeah, but we... Oh, right. Oh, we meant to ask him, how did everything go with the, the DC Summit on the West Coast with Jeff Johns and everything? It was great, dude. It went great. We we talked, like, um, what he has coming up and what I have coming up. And, you know, we don't we don't get to get together very often, him and me. It's because he's, especially now, he's, he's so busy with movie stuff and TV stuff and... You know, which is great, um, but it's been a long time since he and I actually got together and just talked story. Um, years, really, uh, where we we sat down and and not just sort of said, "Hey, here's what I'm doing. What are you doing?" But put it on a board and was like, "Here's what you're doing. Here's what I'm doing. Let me kick the tires with yours. Kick the tires with mine. How can I make it better?" You know, is there anything I can do to help you and really create a confluent um sort of universe that way where where nothing i'm doing steps on his stuff and nothing he's doing steps on mine and there are things that go back and forth and all that so it went great i mean he's he um nobody knows the dcu better than him um hands down in terms of and he also nobody knows i think what fans want from these characters more than him and you know i I know my DCU, I like, I would happily go on a quiz show for my DCU knowledge, you know, or any of that stuff, but it pales in comparison to him. And so when I look at certain characters, I want to reinvent like, you know, the Blackhawks or, you know, the challengers or something like that. He's great to talk to because he's sort of like, look, I know they haven't been around in a long time and I know this, but here's, here's what I think is special about them. What do you think? And a lot of the time we'll land in the same place and other times, um, it'll be really eye opening because there are things I haven't thought of. And so he's, he's really like an, like a could not be a more valuable, um, creative person in the room when you're doing that kind of stuff. And so it went went great. I'm really grateful to him for taking the time given his schedule. And we had a blast. We like just hung out the two of us for two days. Well, that's interesting. You said that because we're planning on a, a bat force, uh, comic jeopardy game. And, We'd like you and Jeff Johns to be on. I think we can work that. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be you fun. Know who I, I heard uh, Steve Orlando is real. He knows a lot. Oh yeah, he Steve Orlando is definitely encyclopedic, especially about Grant stuff and everything. He's he's crazy, crazy, like deep cut. Wow. <laughs> you um, obviously you kind of came out of a writer's summit. You said I think a couple of months ago, right, or a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, anything you could tell us about that? Yeah, well, it was it was the summit that we did in New York was really based around the same thing around the Capullo event, mm. um, so that we could figure out what things to kind of spin out and how it would affect the books, and making sure we had story coming out of it that would be good. And so it was it was really that it was it was we've been working on this thing a while, and I just want to make sure it's good and that not only is it good, but that it 
it gives people stories that they're excited about and that they have a hand in it. And it's really a team effort and we're making something together and it's not me imposing something on anybody else. So in that way, um, yeah, it was great, man. It was, I'm, I'm really, I'm ner- super nervous. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm super anxious to make sure that it's, you know, something special. Um, and I get nervous because the stage is bigger than I, I've never used a lot of these characters before that are in it. Um, but I love them. Uh, and then secondarily the, uh, the, you know, just the anticipation of Greg coming back. I want to make sure he's really happy and loves it. And I've vetted the whole story with him up and down a million times, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to make sure he comes back and just has a blast. You, and also, you know, we were going to talk to you yesterday, but, uh, obviously we got our hairs crossed, but, um, what about uh, anything you tell us about the, uh, the meeting you had yesterday? Yeah, it was great. I mean, we, honestly, it was it's it's it was um, Dan was just in town to Dio and took a few of us out to dinner. Um, Orlando and um, Tomasi and mm. same thing. You know, we're just talking future plans for for how Superman and Batman interact and how cool. Supergirl and Justice League of America can sort of tie into each other. And mm. you know, we're really it's it's a fun time right now just because we're we're very close, all of us. Like. You know, I was always close with the Bat Raiders, and I am, like Tom, you know, and, and that's sincere. Like, I, I talk to Tom every week at least, and even sometimes we don't talk Batman or work stuff. We just talk, you know, friend stuff, life, and kids and family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've become close with Steve Orlando and Josh Williamson, and Pete is an old friend at this point. And, you know, all of us on these different books, like like um, Greg Rucka also, you know, he, we're friends from... I don't know, four years, five years now. And so you feel like you can call anybody and get anybody together. And it's a good mix where you're like, what are you doing on Wonder Woman? Okay. How do I do? What about this thing I'm doing with this bad event? Do you want to play in? Do you want to stay away from it? You know, Oh, it gives you story. Okay, great. Well, and you just go, it's all of us like that. So all the meetings this year have been that kind of a, a feel. None of it has, has been like, you know, Oh, we're dropping a bomb on anybody or there's big changes or, we're doing a new renumbering or any, there's nothing like that. That was, you know, not, there was no sort of um, urgency to it that way. It was more like creative summits that were really organic and fun this year. So it's been great. Please, please no renumbering. Marvel keeps doing it and it is fucking <laughs> pissing me off. I don't, I don't see any plans. Uh, I don't see any plans. How many number ones can you buy in a year? It's like, dude, what the fuck? I think it's to usher in the movie crowd. You know, to bring movies coming out, so let's restart at number one, get that title going, so people can start. Yeah, reading it them. makes things user friendly in that way. But I agree with you guys that, like, you know, there's something to be said about reaching Detective One Thousand. It's nice. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Is do you, is it known if uh, Tiny is going to be able to be the one to do it? Well, I mean, I no, I it's two years away. I think at double yeah. ship pace or something like that. So. I know that he has stories to go all the way there, I think. And yeah, everyone wow. loves him on the book. They're really happy with him internally. And he is actually, he's killing it on yeah, Detective. Is, he, yeah, he really great. is. That, is, a, really that is. is the rebirth title of Rebirth, man. Yeah. I'm so proud like, of him. Yeah. So cool. He's so good, yeah. And this book is just a perfect combination of things. It's just right up his alley. You know what I mean? It's just just fits is, is that he, and all he him? made it. I mean, is is it all him is he like flying solo now on this book you or? mean on on the like, book like, like do, you, do you give him input sometimes Detective. or help him write or is oh no just... no that it's really him man he's yeah, he's, awesome. he's just become i mean he's wow. he's just a terrific writer and i um i've always we've he 
he and I talk every single day. Not I'm a hundred percent like it's rarely a day that ever goes by that we don't talk. Um, where we vet each other's stuff. Where he he and it's been that way for years. He's always been my guy from back when he just came out of the class that I taught, and I realized this guy is just such a great um, story editor. And he was he was a good writer then, but he was still learning. And this is before he was in comics. And by the time he started in comics, he just really got better and better and better and better. And to see him explode with a series like this that I know is kind of the thing he's been hoping to do, a team book with this kind of feel with that sort of um, big emotional tapestry, it's just a joy. You know, I'm really, really happy for him and proud of him. Scott, yeah. is there something you tell all your students? Like, I mean, I know you teach classes and stuff. <laughs> is there something you tell all your writers, like a piece of advice you give to everybody that you think rings true? no matter what they're doing? Yeah, sure. I had a teacher when I was about in fourth grade that got me into writing, Mrs. Hayworth, I still remember her name. And she would always say, today I want you to write the story that you would want to pick up and read more than any other in the world. And to me, as hokey as it sounds, that advice really holds where it doesn't matter if the story you're going to write with these characters is the smartest or the best, it has to be the one that's going to affect your life the most today out of anything where you pick it up and say, that inspired me today, you know, and so that's what I the advice I give to students because the characters are so intimidating and so paralyzingly larger than life that you have to go in there and say, I'm going to write something that matters to me. It's personal through these characters and I, I have to make sure it's organic to the character I pick. And, you know, but if you're if you love them, usually and you're picking them because they make you brave in the face of something that you're really genuinely frightened about. And that's why they're heroic to you. And so for me, I think it's guiding them towards that sense of I can write my fears, I can write my hopes, and I can write those things and make this matter and still do a big, fun, over-the-top, you know, superhero thing. That's awesome, great. dude. Scott, thanks so much for yeah, your time. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Thank you very much. It's, it's, honestly, it's, it's a, oh, I love talking to you guys, and I'm, I'm always happy to come on. So, And I appreciate your support. You know, For me and for the book, you're amazing, and also just for the whole Bat crew. You guys are so nice to everybody, and all of us appreciate it. I can speak on their behalf to say thank you for, yeah, man, we, for well, Scott, the whole line. And the, you, thank- your love for the character and for the, the, book, the books that, you know, that play in that mythology is just unparalleled. So we really appreciate it. Anytime, man. Hey Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs.